Hey, welcome to the Dossier Podcast with Jordan Schachtel. Today we had my friend Julia Song. She's a writer, commentator, activist, one of the first real contrarian voices on the COVID stuff on the program to talk about how essentially the government is the real problem and you know talk about the, the origins of American COVID tyranny. But first, a message about one of my sponsors. I trust capital. Have you heard about tax-free Bitcoin and precious metals investing? iTrust Capital is a trusted and reliable provider that allows you to invest in these assets using your retirement account. On this platform, you can not only buy Bitcoin, but you can also get involved with uh, precious metals like physical metals like gold and silver. And this platform gives you 24-7 trading access, and it even has institutionally built-in great security measures so you don't have to worry about your funds being safe. When you open an iTrust Capital Roth IRA account, you can buy Bitcoin now and in the future. You can sell it and you keep all the profits, no taxes. Sign up today at itrustcapital.com and use the discount code DOSSIER and you will get one month of completely free investing and trading with iTrust Capital. Don't miss out. Now on to the show. So today I'm joined by my friend Julia Song. She's a commentator, uh, political activist, done a lot of stuff in the uh, you know right wing circles in the United States. She is a, an American citizen who immigrated to America from Brazil several years ago. I know, Julia, you were working in political organizing there, but I wanted to bring on Julia because she's been talking about um, a lot of these, these COVID restrictions and mandates. And Julia has a very unique perspective because she's not originally from here and hasn't really, uh, similar to, I think, a lot of other people who immigrate to the United States, they have a broader perspective of what can happen when the government takes too much power, when the regime gets out of control. Americans who have lived here our whole lives, we kind of have been insulated from that. So, you know, during these unprecedented times, I thought Julia would be a good guest for this. And um, how's it going, Julia? Hey, thanks for having me. Um, everything's going well. I mean, as well as it can go, I guess, given the times. Yeah, it's super weird times. So we were kind of talking offline about these big um, mandates that are coming through the pipeline. And it seems now that the White House is really considering the big the big one, which is um, COVID injection shot passes, movement passes, vaccine passes, whatever you want to call it, for both air travel and um, and taking even a train or any type of like bus that travels interstate. And this would basically severely restrict um, the, you know, the non-compliant class and their ability to move around the country. You know, they'd be limited to basically their personal automobiles and who knows where we'd go from there. Um, what do you make of this? Do you think that it's going to be a reality in the coming weeks that the Biden administration would pull the trigger on this? Because I'm kind of like 50-50 right now. Um, I think that they will. And the fact that they haven't really been, um, I guess, apologetic or worried about stuff that they pushed before that backfired, it's really concerning because they're, they keep pushing towards a more radical agenda by the week. And every time you hear about the fact that Biden's going to have a press, um, is going to give a, an interview to the press, then you, you, you already know that something important, something big, something authoritarian is coming, um, is coming to, to uh, reality. And I think that it's, it's sort of like it's slowly turning into something where people can't really run from because the, he did the mandate on the jobs. So now you basically cannot provide for yourself, cannot provide for the family. And then he, he's now doing the mandate on these different types of um, transportations, which is ridiculous because we have people flooding from the border. We have people, and, and vaccination doesn't really stop transmission. So there's no point in, in actually being uh, vaccinated to be on an airplane. But the fact that they, they absolutely don't care about it not making sense they just want to push it and it makes me wonder that 
maybe this is the most um, uh, immediate action that they're going to take, but not necessarily the last one and not necessarily the worst one. I think that this is a, a, a prelude to them actually banning, my, my dog is playing in the background, them actually playing, um, them actually closing the, the borders between the states. Um, let's say you're, and I feel like, I don't know if that's gonna happen from a federal level. I think that the states are gonna push that if it, if it doesn't happen from a federal level. But let's say I wanna travel from Tennessee who doesn't have any of those, um, of those regulations, any of those mandates. I wanna travel to Virginia. Um, I might have to go through some sort of uh, check at the border, right? Um, this happens in Australia. It's not that, that far of a reality. So I think that even travel by car might be restricted in the future. So we'll see. I think this is just the first step in, in, that, in that direction. Yeah, it's, it's very much an unpre... We live in an unprecedented time. So it's really, uh, you know, nothing's really out completely. If you look at what's going on in Australia right now, they're running what amounts to internment camps. And, you know, that's a Western Anglo country and nothing really stopped them. You know, we have the Second Amendment here, so I think it would be tougher for people, you know, for cops to start knocking on doors and stuff like that and, and feds to, um, you know, to completely destroy people's civil liberties. So at least we have that. But, um, yeah, it, it's really, you know, I saw that Fauci came out this week and he put his endorsement on a mandate. And he even said that, you know, new policy ch changes are, are coming. Uh, the United Airlines CEO just spoke uh, in an article. I think he was talking. Oh, so he was talking to CBS Face the Nation. And he said that uh, while the airline industry seems to op oppose these measures, that they would, you know, they said that they would fall in line because the airline industry is entirely relying on the federal government, right? And, and the same thing with train uh, via Amtrak. These are all giant subsidized industries that I don't think that they'd be able to compete on their own. So um, in terms of Biden being able to do this, you know, a lot of people talk about there being some type of legal pushback. But again, like look what he did with the, you know, the, the corporations with the 100 employee rule. He just issued the mandate, worry about the legal challenges later. If he issues this mandate, I think the reality of what will happen is these airline companies will fall in line, describe it as a federal law, just like they do with the mask stuff. Same thing with the trains. And they'll just start asking for vax passes. Do you think that there will be any legal tools that people can use to like stop this? I, I'm under the impression that there's just, you know, we're in kind of like a post-constitutional era. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, I have this, this quote that I tell people, it's like, don't really, you can't really trust the system to save you from the system. Because even the federal judges, and, and we've seen that we, we can't really necessarily trust the Supreme Court anyway, the federal, a lot of these judges are appointed, they have, some of these judges are voted in, they have a very political background to the way that they uh, make their rulings. So if, you, if you're gonna rely on the system to save you from the system, then you're screwed because Biden can appoint those federal judges to a certain extent. A lot of these people are worried about their career, their careers, their, the repercussions of their actions. They're not necessarily unbiased. So, um, and, and like you, you mentioned, they depend on the money from the government. It's like at this point, big corporations and the government, they're the same thing because, um, and that's how the government gets away with doing unconstitutional things is it pushes private companies to do them, but they're all in bed together. The private companies wouldn't be alive if it, were, if it weren't for the money that's receiving from the government. And the government is using those companies to push their agendas to try to, because if you think about it, they, they lobby for all these regulations to keep the little guy out of the market. They don't want competition to enter the market. They don't want 
uh, it, it's regulations that make it uh, so that big companies can operate, but it will be very difficult for a small company or for somebody who's trying to enter the market. So you have a couple options if you want to fly. You have like a handful of options and a lot of them don't fly into every airport. So it's, it's sort of like you're, you're stuck. And to me, I, I feel like that's by design. It's, it, they don't want competition. They don't want people to have multiple options. And it's just, it's, it's where it's going. They're doing the government's dirty work. Yeah, like you said earlier, um, there's no real health reason for these type of requirements. Like the data on these, um, these injections is becoming very clear that there's, it doesn't seem to be that there's any benefit whatsoever in terms of mitigating like the spread of a virus. There's even been some studies that have come out that said like you actually have in, uh, some, some vaccinated people have a higher load on a higher viral load on average. I mean, there's so many of these studies that contradict themselves anyway, but what's becoming clear is that, you know, the benefits of um, these shots have been very much oversold to the masses. And it seems that the government talking points and these lobbyist talking points and, you know, the, the pro restrictionist camp is using talking points from, you know, what Fauci used to say and all these supposed public health experts about, you know, preventing severe disease and death also turns out to not be true. You know, they made these statements like it was 100% effective at preventing death, 99 uh, severe disease and like 90 something preventing infection. And meanwhile, you have a country like Israel where, you know, the, the, the numbers, the COVID numbers are off the char charts on shot three. The, the, the real efficacy numbers are extremely unclear. Uh, these trials are not, you know, there's no independent bodies in these trials. You just have to rely on pharmaceutical companies and, you know, go from there. But it, it's, there is no legitimate reason for why the, the, you can't even claim it's for public health. If you, if you read the data on this stuff, because, you know, if it, if it works, you shouldn't be concerned if someone who hasn't taken the vaccine um, you know, is on a plane with you. And if it, if it doesn't work, then there's no bother in even debating the topic. Um, yeah, what I, I think that Julia, you were one of like the really early people that kind of um, realized that a lot of this stuff really, or even during the, the Trump years, I mean, we were talking about this during the, you know, the 15 days to stop the spread timeline, how we thought that this was way too much government overreach and this was nonsense. Um, how did you become so aware of, you know, this, this road to authoritarianism? Was it like through your personal experience? So how I became based. Yes. Uh, so um, I feel like Trump is kind of like a one man type of thing where he wouldn't necessarily push these things, but he was surrounded by bureaucrats, people who've been in the government for such a long time. And the fact that uh, Joe Biden kept Fauci on the job tells me everything that I need to know, right? Because um, if, uh, if I'm the new president, I'm going to start bringing my own people. But he let certain select people stay on the job. And Fauci was one of them. And you see now how Fauci runs pretty much the whole thing. I mean, he makes more money than the president of the United States. That man has so much power, so much power that you wouldn't believe it. So despite the fact that being Trump was the president at the time, I felt like he was being overwhelmed and overpowered by all these different bureaucrats who were thirsty for power. And I felt like basically their goal with the whole lockdown was to make the economy so bad that people would just vote for the other guy and of course the lockdowns came in people started losing their jobs the economy started crumbling he had a great economy started crumbling and then the election was lost you know whether it was uh through legitimate or not legitimate means it was lost and so 
it's to me from the beginning uh, as as i was saying i feel like all these people have been in power for a long time we just don't see them because they're behind the scenes but now fauci wants to have that sort of a uh um a public uh, persona or, or, or appearance because he knows that there's going to be absolutely no repercussions. He knows that back in Trump days, whenever people would come online and tell him and, and flood his posts and flood his page saying, you're totally wrong about this, do this, do that, he would listen to his voters. Now he knows that there's no, Fauci knows that there's no accountability, so he can do whatever he wants. So people, we, we find out who really had the power uh, behind the scenes. So people like General Milley and uh, I think it's Milley or Miley, whatever, right? All these different bureaucrats who've been at it ever since the Trump era or and even before, um, we're finding out what they're truly have been working on behind the scenes and how their plans have been set in motion as, as they're allowed a little bit more freedom to do so under this administration. Yeah. So it's just, just it, the writing has been on the wall for a long time. It's, it's definitely fascinating. You bring up Fauci to go through his commentary um, about things like masks and supposed mitigation measures and the like, and kind of compare it to the way he talks now, which is like as a total authoritarian nut job. And it just goes to show that when people are given these exorbitant amounts of power that some people just can't handle it or they become like drunk with it. And that's what Fauci has become. That's what Millie has become uh, totally unaccountable to the people. You know, this regime that we're living in today, they, you know, it's not like we have a, we have a, a so-called free press, but the corporate press that's in the, the white house briefing room every day, there's not a single person in there other than maybe like Emerald Robinson from Newsmax from time to time, or maybe someone at OAN or some, some other place that's going to hold them accountable. But it, it seems like this regime, they're just, it, they're going off the rails so much. And with this COVID stuff, it's just total, like unscientific, unsupported by any type of evidence. And they just continue to just like, you know, you see like Jen Psaki in these press briefings and she just says whatever comes to mind. Like she'll have like Peter Ducey from Fox News um, advocate for like a little bit of freedom <laughs> and then her just like totally shutting him down. And basically everyone in the press corps is uh, applauding. Uh, it, it's um, it, it's pathetic. The, the state of you know the, the press, the, the accountability in the regime is like zero at this point. Yeah, but like, I feel like it's been like, like what I said, it's been set in motion for a long time. Like, it's, uh, for example, when you look at the local governments, nobody pays attention to what your city council is up, is up to. Nobody pays attention to what your state um, legislature is, is approving every week. And then you complain that, oh, they managed to lock me down. Well, they have been uh, adding these different laws and these different abilities to be able to do so to the legislature to so so they do have that power they do because they've been doing that for so long and people haven't really been paying attention and holding other folks accountable to the point where they can't issue these mandates these unconstitutional mandates because they've people really haven't paid attention especially um prior to obama and, and trump people didn't really pay attention to politics as much and so all of this, these laws have been set in motion. So people, when people say, oh, it's just a mask, oh, it's just this, oh, it's just that, it's always just a little bit. It's always one little thing at a time. It's always one little amendment to the, to the legislatures, to the legislation. It's always just one little thing. And then when you take into account the whole picture, now you have the whole country under lockdown and all these bureaucrats have all the power that they can possibly dream of. So I think that, it, you know, we have to really look at how somebody like Fauci got to the point where he's having all this much influence over the country. And like, like I mentioned, having a salary higher than the president himself. Um, I'd like to, love to know what he's been up to all these previous years. What, what, was that, what was it that he accomplished for the country? 
and you know all his all the things that he's been working on because clearly what what COVID shows is that this man is incredibly um, bad at his job. Yeah, I have nothing but contempt for him and <laughs> the things that I would hope would be thrown at him through the legal system. Um, I'd probably get banned from from every platform for for expressing that. But he's he's a genuinely evil person, and I, I think that there's just no disputing at this point. He's willing to lie um, in order to get his fascism o- approved by the masses. He's propagandized millions of people into this evil set of beliefs in which people are just pitted against each other based on their um, medical decisions. It's disgusting. But yeah, I, I, you know, Julia is such a, um, Julia is a humble person, but she was one of the first people to figure out really that this was, there was something really bad going on. I, I mean, Julia, I remember talking to you uh, so early on, even like when the, the Chinese were dealing with the thing in Wuhan and we were talking about like, what was the American response going to be? And you know, we were kind of optimistic about what Trump would do. Uh, unfortunately, I think he just succumbed to the mayhem. And it's funny, like, it's, you know, Julia is, uh, how did you, like, what, was it something um, from like your activism days in Brazil that you kind of like, how, what was the first like tip off to you that something was really wrong here, like back in the really early days when, when you saw like that they were going to do the stop the spread and even like with the Chinese stuff in Wuhan, um, because, uh, you know, in your experience in Brazil, there, you know, the politically, there's like two like radically different choices, right? There's the right and then the left, which is basically like communism. And our, our, our left is slowly becoming kind of like, you know, communist, fully blown communist, but we're not there yet. But in, in your native country, you know, you had two very different choices, right? So I guess maybe you saw something that was coming from that playbook and that's what tipped you off to like being so skeptical about this early on. Yeah. So from the beginning, I knew that there was going to be no 15 day to slow the spread. I even thought, you know, I felt bad for Trump for being calmed into that. But the my experience in Brazil was that we went through about 16 years of the leftists in power. And I feel like their playbook is, is one of control, is one of power, um, is not necessarily one of communism and socialism, because whenever it pleases them, they will go full capitalist. Whenever they want to buy a castle, they'll go full capitalist. Whenever they want to show up to this different, like, like what you saw AOC doing with the... Um, with the expensive tickets and expensive dresses and expensive parties, uh, whatever they want, they'll go full capitalist. They want socialism and control for everybody else, but they will have the, the, the choice at the top. So the way that they, the, the thing that they pursue the most and the way to, to keep that power is the, what they pursue the most is power and the way to keep that power is through control. And so it's wherever it's at, um, whether it's in Venezuela, in China, uh, whatever the case might be, there's different levels of the same approach, but the playbook is the same. So I just thought about, you know, the time that I was in Brazil, what was going on, how all, all of our liberties, all of our things were things that we we were that were part of our everyday life, like the, the most basic things that you wouldn't even consider were starting to be removed and, and be considered a privilege if you did what the government wanted. If you didn't do it, then they will come for you with a vengeance. So that's how I felt after every mandate, after every, every lockdown, after everything that it, it was just a matter of, um, control in, in the pursuit of power. And it was nothing about health. There was nothing. Uh, I mean, I went through, at the time that COVID was happening, I was traveling the world right at the beginning. And, you know, I'll see it everywhere. Masks on the ground, people reusing the same masks. 
They don't even care about the impacts that such masks have on the oceans. Where does all these masks ending up? They don't care. I doubt that these people wash their masks every day. It's just, to me, it's, it's nothing but control. When you see the video of that little baby being having a mask pushed against his face and smothered, it's, I mean, you mean to tell me that that kid doesn't touch the ground, touch his mask, et cetera. It's, it's not really, it, it doesn't have anything to do with safety, with health. It doesn't have anything to do with anything other than control. And it, the playbook is always the same, changes a little bit. It changes, you know, changes colors a little bit, but the drawings on the wall. Yeah, so, so because it's, like- It's easy to see. Yeah, so it takes like a while to get to that place where you are fully, I guess you call it based or awakened to the reality that, you know, the government isn't looking out for your best interests and that the government is just, you know, purely in pursuit of this power grab. And not only the government, as you talked about earlier, you know, these oligarchies, these subsidized institutions that want to just protect themselves and remove the competition. Airline industry is a perfect example, um, just totally afloat via government garbage service doesn't matter because they get bailouts. And, you know, it's very tough to get into that industry because it takes billions of dollars. But what would you, how do you recruit people to our side? Like, what's your, what's your kind of like number one tactic when, if someone were to like approach you and say, you know, they're, they're afraid of COVID, you know, they're worried they're, they don't really have all the information, but you know, the government says <laughs> that they're, you know, they're looking out for us and that they're, they're doing it for our health. They want to stop the spread. Like, where do you even, how do you even start that conversation with someone that hasn't, that isn't up to speed on, on the data or the, you know, the, the political ideology? Do you have like a starting point for that? Um, so I would just block them. <laughs> uh, it's, I mean, it's the, it's the, you know, like I mentioned, the, the, the playbook is the same. So they're always going to start with a little bit. They're always going to say, oh, we're not banning guns. We're just banning my dogs out of control. Obi, go be over there. Go to bed. Um, so. <laughs> it's, it's fine. Go on. I can hear you. Okay. Okay. Um, let me go close the door because Obi is like, he has so much energy. Obi, let's go to bed. Come on. <laughs> go, buddy. Go. How old is Obi now? He's two. Oh. Um, so back to what I was saying. Whenever Brazil was in the works of trying to ban guns, it wasn't necessarily we don't want anybody to have guns anymore. It's a little mandate here, a little mandate there, a little uh, legislation here, a little. Uh, so yeah, it, little it, by little by little, and people ended up not having guns. The propaganda effort on TV, all of that. And you realize that uh, uh, the government is funding a lot of the media outlets. So here... People, you know, people are so um, caught off guard with this incrementalism that they don't realize they think it's, oh, it's just a mask or it's just something else. And we're two years into this and there's no end in sight. So I feel like at this point, if you don't really see what's going on, I can't help you because to me, you're evil. <laughs> like that's you, such a good point that like you, you there comes to, a point in to. yeah there comes a point in time where there's like you know this has been going on for almost two years and at some time you have to just like write some people off um and you were talking about like you know the the little the the short steps in the direction of tyranny and it's never ever like one fell swoop and that was like the most frustrating thing for me is to see people that were supposedly on our side, um, you know, this, this DC, especially like the DC beltway class, um, these people who are just totally institutionalized with the government saying, oh, it's just a mask. Like, why don't you just wear a mask and we'll get our freedoms back. And then, you know, why don't you just stay at home for two weeks? Why don't you just take, 
take one shot. No, take two shots. Now take the booster shots and you'll get your freedoms back. And this is just all the appeal. And it's all just subservience to this authoritarian ideal. Um, but the problem is like we are at a point in the United States where it seems that we don't have the numbers on a national level to recruit enough people to like overturn this craziness coming from the federal government. So, I mean, you're in a red state now, I'm in a red state. Do you think that the solution is just to kind of like create these like citadels of based people and forget about what's going on in DC and just try to like insulate ourselves from that? Because for me, the, the whole idea about like, you know, trying to win back these institutions in, in Washington is just like a totally like it's just a total time dump for me. Yeah, absolutely. But I also think that um, one of the key things that you don't necessarily, um, I guess, have the ability to envision the way that I do or anyone else who's proposing that or even the separation of the country is that these people are mean. They will not leave you alone. Um, I don't know if you've seen it, but it's like they all the, the states, even the red states, most of the big cities are overwhelmingly liberal. They're, they have, they're very um, aggressive with their tactics. They're very aggressive with spreading their ideology. They're like a virus, like they're going to Texas. They're turning all the big cities in Texas are extremely liberal. They're turning everything blue. So unless we keep them from entering and, and we create like fences and stuff like that, it'll be very difficult because they're not going to stop until everybody is on board with their ideology. So I don't think that taking over Washington is wise because uh, Washington is so far gone that if we took over Washington, uh, we would become whatever it is that we're fighting against because the institutions are... They're, the way that they're set up and put in place is that um, it, it, it is to allow people to have that kind of power. So let's say everybody from the FBI office left, and now I can bring in my own people. The way that it is so much, the way that it operates from a very ba basic level is so twisted that I think this institution should be... Um, you know, completely gone from existence. And we should create a, a new type of government in its place that it's much more basic, much more transparent and much simpler. Because when you add all levels of uh, complex things and, and you're, you're adding to the bureaucracy, you're allowing for people to say, oh my God, this is too complicated. I don't want to be a part of it. I don't want to have any over, I don't want to, bother with oversight, this is too, uh, too annoying, too time consuming, too complicated. I don't wanna, so, so people don't wanna be a part of the government and its decisions anymore. And that's what the bureaucrats use to take control and to do whatever it is that they want. People are not gonna read a 3000 page bill. Who's gonna do that mm -hmm. overnight before it gets approved? Absolutely not. Nobody's going to have the time. Oh, you know what? I was definitely going to go uh, to bed early because I have work early in the morning. But actually, let me stay up and, and read this 15,000 page bill because it's important. So nobody ever. It's, it's, and they take advantage of that. That's why these bills are so big because they can add whatever it is that they want in between and get away with it. So it's it's all by design. So what I would do is I would get rid of it all and just start over. And when you think about the fact that if you gather all the based people together, they will not leave you alone. They will come for you. Like a lot of these folks, they're just trying to mind their own business. They're just trying to give out the 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 information that they want and their thoughts to someone else. Um, who may or may not agree with them, but they, they just want to do that. And they're getting banned from social media. They, they're getting banned from financial services. They're being persecuted, essentially, being put on the no-fly list. So 
it's it's something that you, you know you know whatever wherever we hide we can keep on hiding but eventually they're going to come knocking on the door so i would just rather deal with this issue now than later now a lot of people ask me how do you deal with this issue i don't know i just rather you know um figure out what we need to do if if it is a separation of the country then let's just get it over with right and let's put stuff in place that allows for them not to come after us later. Like for example, um, let's not let them, you know, uh, put us into a place of like a pariah type of nation, put sanctions against us because we don't have the vaccine or because we don't allow abortions or whatever the case may be. So if we can find a, a solution that puts us into a good position to separate the country, sure. Um, but I, I don't know if we have the the leadership, even on the GOP, that yeah. would have the the guts to do something like that. That's that's the biggest one of the biggest issues that you touch upon is that Congress. I mean, of course, the bureaucracy is getting. It might be the biggest threat to our liberties today because, um, as you saw during the Trump era they totally disregarded the mandate of the duly elected president of the United States. Um, several intelligence community institutions, the FBI most notably was spying on him, trying to throw a wrench in the gears of his presidency at every possible turn. And that's not the only institution that was completely corrupted. Uh, you know, in the last days of the Trump administration, the Pentagon through Mark Milley, and others seem to be disregarding, again, the mandate of the commander in chief. Um, you know, they totally ignored him when he wanted to leave Afghanistan. So this bureaucracy, this big blood bureaucracy is totally unaccountable to the people. And then you touched upon Congress too, led by Mitch McConnell in the Senate and Kevin McCarthy um, in, in uh, the House. And these people are supposed to be the political opposition. opposition and they are they have been 100% on board with the covid fascism since the beginning um they can claim otherwise at least mccarthy tries to claim otherwise but it's totally not true he's agreed with everything they've done psas for um you know wear your masks social distance and you know every every tool that the the bureaucracy and these fads have put in place to excuse more and more authoritarianism you know the gop minus maybe 10% of elected officials on a federal level have been totally on board with that. So I think you're right that, that there needs to be some type of, uh, it definitely has to be a grassroots effort with people that are vetted. If you're going to send people to Washington and support them, um, they need to speak out against these abuses, especially the COVID stuff. They really need to be on board because COVID was such a good litmus test. And, um, you know, I don't know about you, but I, you know, I made some definitely some new friendships and, and you know, newly respected so many people based on how they reacted to this stuff early on. And, you know, a lot of people showed some wisdom and courage and standing up against this stuff. And uh, lost respect too. Yeah. Oh yeah. A lot, especially, you know, a lot of these DC folks that work in, uh, in these think tanks and institutions that are supposed to be promoting Liberty. And then you find out that they're like terrified and, and demanding, uh, people stay in their homes and, you know, they quarantine the healthy and all this stuff. Yeah. There are people that I've totally lost respect for who I will, it will be very difficult to, um, you know, they've revealed themselves as total uh, weak losers and they, I don't think I'll ever earn my respect back and I, they don't care, but it, it's, it very much cleared out some people as illegitimate in my opinion that, you know, when it, when push came to shove, I, I think, um, and you know, this speaks highly to your character, uh, that when, you know, all this shit hits the fan, you really want to look for people that are standing by what they believe in and, and acting upon it. Like, you know, I, I met you in, in Georgia in like, because Georgia was the first state to open and we're like, all right, let's, you know, I, I'm like, I, I was stuck in DC at the time and you and, you know, some other people, we're like, you know, very much outspoken about how like we want to move on with our lives and we're not willing to, you know, surrender to these government edicts. So, you know, you were definitely one of like, you know, back then we were probably 
one in the 1% or 0.1% of people who were immediately aware that something awful was going on in this country. Um, and I, and I think Jesse the, Kelly was too. Oh yeah. Jesse Kelly, Julie Kelly, unrelated, but two great people. You know, there, there's a, a decent, it was a decent, but very, unfortunately a very small list. And I think a lot of it has to do with the comfort um, that we've had in the United States for decades now. And that, you know, you can just live a very comfortable life, never really be worried about anything. Of course, like the, you know, an awful disease can strike someone at any time, but you know, the pandemic was like, was, um, hyped up as this, you know, once in a century type of plague and that everyone's going to be impacted. And you know, there was too many bedwetters in our country. And it just goes to show that we need to, um, I think, uh, we need to get tougher as a nation and there are no easy answers for that, but it certainly doesn't speak highly about, you know, some type of like resilience that we thought we had and that, you know, I don't know about you, but for me, it, it really showed that, um, like I, I had a hard time understanding how these atrocities in history were committed. And the last two years have shown me that human beings will basically, when they're scared, will, or scared or, you know, empower, or when the wrong people are empowered, that awful things can happen. And I think, um, you know, it goes to show in, in, in other countries and, and here in the U.S. that there have been some human rights atrocities that have been committed. And I don't know if anyone will be held accountable for them, sadly, but hopefully this has at least, you know, sparked the minds of millions of people to um, seek change in their country, in, in the United States and elsewhere. Um, your, your guy, uh, Bolsonaro, is actually, he's actually been really good on this, right? Like he's been one of the few people who, uh, I, I think he got COVID and then he has natural immunity. So he's like, you know, kind of just, he, he's more of the, uh, on the freer side of things, right? Yeah, absolutely. And the propaganda in Brazil is out of control. They're doing these things, but just today it came out. Um, and if you follow me on Twitter, Real Julie Song, uh, you see that I, I shared this article of this coroner who's, uh, who looked over a couple who had, who had died because of gun wounds. And they were signed off as COVID deaths. So I think a lot in Brazil, it's sort of like much easier to get away with that stuff because there's very little oversight and was is a huge country. So um, they were using a lot of a lot of, you know, false information and, and skewed data to try to make him look bad. The media is absolutely bought and paid for by the left. Um, the left it had they had several programs in which they uh, paid millions and millions and millions of dollars to the media as a way to, um, their excuse was to fund culture, right? So they would pay actors, they would pay the media to fund culture and to help culture in the country. And uh, Bolsonaro revamped this program to try to uh, fund uh, struggling actors or struggling people who try to struggling musicians who want to put out good music, but they don't have money to go to a studio and record it. So he changed around the, the distribution of that money. And so the media came, came crashing down on him. So if you think about, if you, if you ask anyone in Brazil, Bolsonaro is committing genocide because, and, and, but Brazil has its own vaccine. Brazil has the, the vaccine, the developed vaccine that is uh, more similar to a vaccine developed uh, in, in, in some other countries, which is an actual, like, it's not mRNA type of vaccines. They're a different type. They're, they're done with the inactive virus. And that was, uh, the name of this vaccine is called CoronaVac. And they, they did that in Brazil. They developed that two shots for everybody. Everybody's having it. Everybody's taking it, but they're still, they still feel like it isn't enough, right? Yeah. Um, they're talking about this vaccine isn't as good as Pfizer's, isn't as good as whatever. And uh, the fact that Pfizer tried to get Bolsonaro and what, what Pfizer did to some of these countries is just so incredibly, um, uh, I think, gut-wrenching because it basically pushed, 
pushed them against the corner and said, you're going to pay this amount of money or we're not going to give you any vaccines. And he was like, we don't really want to pay this amount of money or we can't pay this amount of money. We can't afford this amount of money. And they were like, all right, whatever. So we don't, we don't, we won't, we won't um, negotiate with you. We won't do anything. And so um, everybody was pushing him against the corner because he was trying to negotiate and bring the Pfizer price down. But they were talking about how he was, you know, he didn't want to bring the Pfizer vaccine to the country when he was actually just negotiating because the country has been corrupt coming out of 16 or, or more years. Um, actually, if you count the vice president, that's over um, the vice president of the president that was impeached, the leftist. Uh, that's over 20 years of leftism that left the country bankrupt. Yeah. So he's trying to be fiscally responsible. He's trying to make the right choices, but they're making it seem like he is just uh, against science, against vaccinations, against this and that. Um, he had it. He got over it. He, uh, one of the things to keep in mind is that his health is really fragile after he's been stabbed. So he's had to have a, a col um, what do they call it? The, the colostomy bag. He's had to have that, has ha had to have, he has had to have, <laughs> he's had a lot of surgeries yeah. to try to remediate that situation. And he is old. I mean, he's in his seventies. And even despite all of that, he got over it very easily. So um, that's sort of what he was trying to say to the media that, you know, he wasn't that worried about it. And they made it seem like he didn't care and he was trying to kill all Brazilians. And they're always going to do that. They're always, whenever somebody doesn't submit to what the media and the, the bureaucrats in power want, um, they're always going to try to end their yeah, reputation. No, that, that's a good like point. Because a lot of people don't realize like the problems with the press that you're alluding to, it's, it's not just an American press problem. It's an international press problem. And that's why they're laboring, labeling the Brazilian president as this like authoritarian fascist, because, you know, the, the corporate press through like the AP, AFP, Reuters, like all these big international wire services, they are also very left wing in orientation. So, you know, while the CNN past Brazil is out of control, CNN Brazil was like one of the biggest pushers of all of this. They're out of control. Oh, I'm not surprised to hear that. It's it's amazing because like the past president who was, you said, thrown in jail and corruption charges, everyone was saying, oh, you know, he should win a Nobel Peace Prize, such a great, you know, noble guy, shirt off my back type of socialist, right? But um, it, there is, it's the same kind of, it seems that Brazil is, you know, you kind of have more of a of an ideological divide or at least out in the open because I think like, left-wing Brazilian politicians are, are like openly socialist. Um, but anyway, um, so if we're having, what do you think's like, what do you think's the future trajectory for the United States? Um, if we're having this conversation on September 20th of 2022, like what is, what is America looking like at this point? Do you have any projections? Like what, because it's so hard to tell. So what, what do you, what do you think, if we're, if we're having, you know, we do another podcast a year from now, what is it? What does America look like? If we're allowed to do another podcast a year from now, we'll <laughs> see. But um, I feel like... I shouldn't be laughing, by the way. It's a very <laughs> legitimate possibility. Go ahead. Sorry. Um, I feel like it's, it's sort of... Um, it's only going to get worse. And a lot of people are saying... Um, whenever they they reach a certain point i'm gonna that's gonna be my line in the sand but i feel like if we allow them to reach everybody's different lines in the sand then they would be able to amass so much power by them by then that will be impossible to take them out of power so one of the things that they thrive in is like um they the, the government is pretty much a parasite and it wants to, if our body, any it's a, it has a parasitic relationship with the people. So if 
our bodies are functioning right if we as as a as a as an organism if the society is functioning right if everything is is going well then we'll have a great immune system to fight against this parasite right and keep it at bay or keep it with a very minimum uh, uh, impact over us negative impact over us but if our immune system if we're fighting on different um, on different fronts then our immune system is going to be weakened and the government is going to be able to do whatever it is that it wants because we're too busy fighting here fighting there so the the, the crisis at the border is one thing the fact that they don't care about our cities burning is another thing the war against police the war against um, the the common people that the, I, I think there's going to be a big push for red flag laws I think that they're going to you know, so they're, they're basically they want to create as much chaos as possible so that you and I were busy focusing on, hey, who's going to break into my house now that I, I don't have the ability to have a gun anymore? How am I going to defend myself? So there's going to be a higher levels of violence, higher levels of unemployment, higher levels of inflation. And we're going to be so busy focusing on trying to survive that the, the people in power are going to be free to do whatever it is that they want. So it's, it's already sort of like that, but I feel like it's just going to become more and more pronounced as, as time goes on. Hopefully I'm wrong. Yeah, I think that there's a very real possibility coupled with all these, this weird economic stuff going on. And you know, there, there seems to be a big time economic crisis in China. And we'll see how that plays out with regard to the COVID stuff. If that means that you know, if, if a downturn comes, will that mean that um, the, the government will clamp down even further because people are impoverished and worried about their next paycheck. I think the answer is yes. But uh, Julia Song, you can follow her on Twitter at it's real Julia Song on Twitter. Yep. And everywhere else is also real Julia Song. Okay, awesome. Any other platforms that you're on that you're trying to hype? Um, Telegram <laughs> and oh, Carbon. Yeah. Go to Carbon for sure. All right, Carbon and Telegram at Real Julia Song. Julia, thanks so much. Appreciate it.